You're listening to the Public Safety Drone Flight Podcast, your source of real-world, actionable aviation information for fire departments, police departments, and law enforcement agencies. This is the critical information you need to be an exceptional pilot and help save lives with flight. And now, your host, Public Safety Flight Chief Pilot, Steve Rode. Hi, this is Steve Rode, your friendly chief pilot here at the Public Safety Flight website. Be sure to visit psflight.org to get in on my private email list, read all the latest posts, or ask me all of your public safety drone questions. That's psflight.org, or if that trips you up, you can land in the right place by using publicsafetyflight.org. I'm here today with Paul Rossi. He is an aviator with distinction. Paul has a background uh, in aviation education. He went to Embry-Riddle, got a bachelor's, did all sorts of manned aircraft flying, earned his instrument rating, and he was in the Army uh, for six years working on aircraft back then. Now he's in North Carolina with a company, 910 Drones. I have known Paul uh, off and on, bumping into each other for quite some time now, and he is a voice that a lot of people should listen to. In fact, he's uh, working with Causey Aviation and helping to really do big things here in North Carolina, and maybe maybe elsewhere, we'll find out, uh, in helping with drone deliveries, getting pilots on board, uh, developing new processes and procedures, and uh, I've looked forward to this podcast and hearing what Paul has to say. Good day, Paul. Hi, Steve. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Let's uh, let's get right into it. That when it comes to new drone pilots, tell me what the one thing is that you wish that they knew before they started. Oh, so... With new drone pilots, I would say it's it, to understand to help move things forward with a company. It would be the the airspace stuff, the uh, risk mitigation, um, understanding that there's more to the operation than you know just piloting the drone. But in some circumstances, uh, with some with some companies, they just have one individual in place who's who's just going to kind of oversee everything related to safety. So when the pilot goes out there, it's, you know, all the boxes are checked and then they only have to focus on kind of piloting the aircraft as opposed to with a small company like 910 Drones. It's having folks that are not just pilots, but the ability to uh, play a larger role within the operation. So understanding, Mm -hmm. um, how to acquire like airspace waivers. Yeah. The, um, this, this, the safety, the, the risk mitigation, um, the points, I can't remember the term exactly, but you know, when you look through those waivers, there's like some very specific things, um, that, that are important. So the ability to kind of interpret those and, and apply, um, safe, uh, safety mitigations, and, and, and understand not just not just mm-hmm. that they're doing something or, you know, somebody else has done this, but I can do this. And this is why this is this is what um, within the regulation is allowing us to kind of conduct these operations. 
So I, I have, have tried to explain to people that when you go through training as a manned aircraft pilot, one of the things that you have is, you know, hours in an airplane with an instructor or developing a relationship with one or more instructors, hanging out at the airport and listening to the other guys and learning lessons. Um, my favorite lessons have to be the ones where somebody goes, you will not believe what I did. <laughs> you know, you, you always learn something from that. But how do new drone pilots get that experience when they never had to go through that process? I, and I, I think that you can get that experience by oh, working with, tr training with, and this is, this is tough. I've seen this on LinkedIn where folks are like, oh, I just got my part 107. And they're, they're like posting about it. They're like there, there's no jobs out there. You know what I mean? Like where's, where's the jobs at um, mm -hmm. for, for a 107 pilot, right? When you go to um, a flight school to be a commercial rated pilot, you're talking with actual people within your area, right? Cause you're not going to go from North Carolina. You, there might be mm -hmm. some circumstances where you're going to a college, but for people that will go locally to the airport and get trained in um, instruction, what they're also doing is they're connecting with folks who are in the industry. So they're going to learn those lessons, but they're also going to make connections um, for future opportunities. So people just go online, they get a 107, and then they're trying to look for jobs in their area. And I'm starting to think, and this isn't this isn't a pitch for local, you know, training places, but those local training places build relationships with absolutely with networking. So people who are doing a good job training pilots are are going to be doing a good job at, um, you know, finding people who need good pilots. So I think I kind of went off. Um, went off here on a little bit of a tangent, but to get the experience, you, you need to get involved with local, you know, local groups, get out there and fly. Maybe it's like AUBSI North Carolina, um, where you can share, you know, people, people share the good and the bad. Um, you know, one thing that, uh, education and information, especially in the public safety space, because there's not a whole, not that there's not a whole lot there, but when it comes to being able to, to pay in time. So, so a lot of last year and, and even moving into this year, it's, mm -hmm. it's nine, 10 drones with other great companies like uh, Fox Fury lighting um, solutions. We're, we're putting out like webinars, but we've seen that a lot of people want to talk about the good. Right. A lot of a, a lot of people want to talk about the good and especially all there the marketing yep. stuff. You're never going to see what doesn't work or what didn't work. Um, so to share the hard lessons learned and the yep. only way an inexperienced pilot is going mm -hmm. to learn these lessons is to go figure out the hard way, um, which I don't think anyone would ever recommend or connect with. <laughs> connect with folks in in the industry um and it sounds a lot easier um you know than it might be because you gotta you gotta get outside your comfort zone a little bit to, to kind of start connecting with folks and ask questions that you might think are stupid um you know like the simple questions but everybody starts somewhere
you know, back in my very earliest days with a uh, uh, model one phantom or whatever it was, I was flying and testing and believed that I had a safe landing zone area and I was coming into land and I was so focused on the drone that I never saw this woman walk up quietly behind me. And Paul, those blades missed her face by inches, scared the hell out of me. Uh, I said a little thank you to a higher authority and then never, ever made that mistake again. But when I talk to people about how to, you know, it's important to, <laughs> to establish a very safe landing zone, uh, oftentimes that goes over their head until you have a moment like that. Did you, oh. did you ever have a, a, fl- um, a drone flying moment like that? In training, I would say uh, indoor flight like training for indoor operations, you know, you stuff yourself into kind of like a confined space and Mm -hmm. then you might doing things in, in this industry a little bit. Sometimes, you know, if you're, if you're moving, if you're help moving the industry forward in a sense, like you're trying to figure out things that haven't been figured out. um, You find yourself in, in a situation sometimes where you're so focused on, you know, that one stream of data and I say stream of data, but it's not numbers. It's not, it's not necessarily information, right? It's the focus kind of like looking at something through a straw. Yes, exactly. So, so, and, and when you're doing something new, right, you're, you're performing an out, you might totally understand the drone. You completely know that the hardware and the software inside and out, but when you take that platform into a new arena, there's those procedures, right? And the procedures of thoroughly clearing your landing site. Well, what does that absolutely look like? It doesn't mean just just like just like seeing it. It means like looking around 360. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there'd been times in the confined spaces training where, and early on, right, doing <laughs> doing this training, it was one room where. The pilots, the, the students, and myself were in the room with the drone. And it wasn't a huge, large room. And there was an incident where it was mm-hmm. like the the student got the drone turned around and everything was back. And yeah, and everything was backwards. And this is a drone that has no GPS, right? It's got some uh, basic stability uh, built into it. No, no external sensors. And all of a sudden, this drone just is is like coming toward the student and there's this very short period of time where I'm I'm like all right this student can correct this like if this student can correct this then it's a good learning moment and then that time just mm-hmm. it was just like down and all of a sudden I had to reach out and I had to just grab and 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 toss this drone to the side and uh it all it it happened all so 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 quickly and um even tiny little rotor blades can still cut a finger. So it's like I immediately, even though I'm holding my hand and I'm freaking out mentally because I hadn't quite, I hadn't quite, all I know is I, I acted very quickly and uh, there's a little bit of blood, you know, so I, I, I was kind of, but all I remember thinking in the very moments afterwards was how could you be so stupid 
you know, to be operating such a confined state. So all we had to do after that was take (laughs) the students and myself, put us in the room next door and, and fly from, from this other room. And it's like, right. The the littlest, tiniest things, right. That, that someone who's done it before would just walk, (laughs) walk in and be like, Hey, you know what? You guys should do this. Just try it. And, And it's like, boom. Okay. They have the experience. Um, but I think initially when you're doing some things for the first time, you kind of, uh, and not just not, this is what I was going to say. You can be great at flying a drone, but once you take that platform into certain environment, a certain arena, a certain situation, right, you're changing the game because there's a whole level of procedures that start to come into play. And if Mm -hmm. you're not familiar with those, then, uh, you know, that's, that's when things are, are susceptible to going wrong, especially if you don't have any defined procedures at all. And oftentimes, if you just don't have the experience that gives you the confidence, for example, in public safety, uh, everything, every time you roll up at a scene, it is completely different. There are different people, different departments, you know, it could be law enforcement and fire department or whatever, and you've never seen each other, you've never worked together for the first time. And everyone wants you in the air now. And it's really hard for you to keep your pilot brain on and to assess the situation from a pilot's point of view first before uh, doing what they want you to do. Because without the confidence, it's hard to say, no, it is not safe to fly. Uh, yeah. How do you do that? Absolutely. And, I, and that, I guess, goes back to a little bit to when you had asked about what pilot with new, new pilots and I guess when I was hitting on airspace and regulations, knowing that information inside and out is what makes you confident, at least in your ability, that no one can question, right, are you operating within the, the legal framework? Um, mm-hmm. So for public safety, like you're saying, to, to roll out, get on site, and it's not it's not necessarily and well i guess it needs to be scheduled in like as part of because that's how it works in the commercial side when you have time right you don't you don't you don't right, show exactly. up and you don't say all right well we're we we have to do this mapping mission so pilot you know you need to you need to be there at one o'clock and you better be flying at one o'clock right you know it's okay the flight's the flight is planned to take 28 to you know roughly 28 minutes. So we'll probably do a battery swap. So we're going to need an, you know, a good hour and 30 minutes. So you go out there in your first 10 minutes, you're just going to assess the environment. Mm-hmm. So we think in public safety, well, we don't have time to do that. And it's like, no, you do have time to do that because even if it's two minutes, right, if it becomes part of that procedure, well, the moment we open the door and step foot onto the site, that's kind of when the procedure begins. And what's the first, well, we got to spend two minutes and write that down. Or, you know what I mean? Like, like actually delegate and two minutes is, is it's, it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're responding to an incident, I mean, to, to, to devote two minutes to, you know, some sort of, of, preparation to mentally prepare yourself and, and, and hit some boxes because it's gonna it, it, it can it can make a, a huge difference um 
in how you plan, right? In the military, it was uh, one thirds, two thirds, right? You spend a third of your time planning. Mm-hmm. And even in the, even in the military, some of these operations, you know, are spur of the spur of the moment. You still have to dedicate that time because right. Piss poor planning prevents or prior planning prevents piss poor performance. Okay. Yeah. So even if it's, de- even if it's delegating a minute or two minutes to say, Hey, I'm going to get my mind right in the situation. Like we just did the hard lessons learned, um, event with Bruce Sandy, right. Mm-hmm. Great guy, uh, at a Penner County. And he, he was getting too much confidence, um, talked it up. You mm-hmm. know, he was on site. He said, Hey, it's kind of windy. You know, he's like, he mentioned to, to one of his colleagues, hey, it's kind of windy. And his colleagues say, Oh, you got this. You know I mean? You're, oh, you're a great pilot, Bruce. You got this. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but what is that guy? You know, what is, what is that non drone pilot? You know, and, and that person's probably in a position to where, they're in, maybe they're in the leadership and they're like, Hey, I need to instill confidence into my pilots. Right. But, but at, at what, you know, at what, <laughs> at what level are we going from, Hey man, this guy just, this, the professional just said, I don't know if it's good. And I just said, no, no, you got this. <laughs> no, no, you got this. Does it, <laughs> that doesn't change the, the, the safety, the risks, you know, when you look at, yeah. at at risk, what are we looking at? What's the probability, you know, of, of, of. So how many, how many, uh, up just approximately, how many flight hours do you have in an airplane? Uh, 160 flight hours in, in an aircraft. Okay. All right. It's because the important question is somewhere along that line, uh, you have all that time you've been out to the airplane, the airport and everything else. Um, there must've been at least one time where you went out and looked at the airplane and you just said to yourself, "Mm, I don't know, but not today. (sighs) Right. Was there, was there that little voice? There was always, I guess from the beginning, somewhat of that little voice because having, having trained through Embry riddle, this, this, you know, kind of, from the beginning, you, you, you don't go to Embry-Riddle just to become a private pilot um, because it's just the cost, right? So you, the moment you show up there, you're like, I'm here to be a commercial pilot. And part of part of the instruction there and what makes it great instruction, and not, when I say great, I don't mean it's better than Purdue or any of these other aviation schools. It's just great compared to the industry is that your instructor wouldn't just say, Hey, you're not flying today. It was always having to make that decision. Um, even as the student, mm-hmm. whether, whether it's a go, no go, um, probably maybe, maybe just with weather, you know, being, being in Florida, um, a lot of that go, no go was, was involving winds and, and rain. And, and another thing as a student mm-hmm. pilot, what you had to, uh, some of some of the some of the students who had a better understanding of the way this whole system is working is if you didn't if you didn't create if you didn't complete your you know flight tasks within within your standards mm-hmm. you had to do the flight again so if you're gonna if your instructor wants to fly as much as they can and your instructors you know a cf double i instrument rated so like they'll let you get into right. the suit um 
they not not that they'll let you get into the suit, but their whole thing is build hours, become a uh, an airline pilot. So so even when it's borderline, they're right. like, okay. But if 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 you say, okay, let's go fly on this, you know, windy day, and then you don't meet your minimums or your stand your your um, your flight standards, mm-hmm. you're gonna have to retest again. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times it's like, yeah, you know, we could fly in this wind, but can we perform, you know, can I actually perform to my skill level? Um, and having to make that no go decision based on the fact that, Hey man, it's bumpy and I'm doing a less, I'm doing a flight today that's involving, you know, short field landings. And based on the current conditions, I'm, I'm not going to be able to, you know, knock that out. And I don't want to go spend hundreds more dollars to have to redo this. Right. Um, so that's, I wish that we had a way to teach new drone pilots, uh, to listen to that voice in their head or how some way to put that voice in their head to understand, you know, I'm just talking about public safety, the, you know, the complexities, you've got the flying and then you have the layers of public safety and then you have somehow to get the pilot to turn off their, uh, police or firefighter brain in order to turn on the pilot brain and focus on then flying within the rules and regulations uh, and flying safely. It is, there are so many layers to that. It's almost impossible to make the right decision uh, every time. And tough because you add, you add in the, that layer of life saving, right? Mm -hmm. Who, who, who wants to, the thought is always there. And you, if we talk about church and rescue that, well, if I, you know, fly for one more minute or just go a little bit further, you know, you might, you might see what it is that you're looking for. And there's this, um, yeah, you can talk yourself into anything. Exactly. <laughs> um, so the can the, the understanding the performance of your actual aircraft and manned aviation, when you get tested, you're getting te- you're 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 sitting with somebody who's asking you all about the actual inner workings of the aircraft. Um, you know, Steve, like, um, you know, load factors, CG thing, all, all these things. You've got to demonstrate an understanding of the platform. So I I, I think with the fact that the drone pretty much self checks everything. You know, you power it on and then you get a bar that says green, ready to go. And in your head, you just go, yeah, green, we're ready right. to go. Um, <laughs> and you're not and you're not taking into account any, you know, t- sort of these environmental conditions and factors. And you talk about batteries and battery storage. So there's like there's this deep desire to accomplish the mission. And then there's this lack of. um performance you know lack of understanding i think maybe a little bit in regards to like the equipment uh i'm just focused on public safety but do you do you think in public safety that uh, we're asking too much or trusting too much in the equipment that's available today versus the types of equipment that is coming i just saw news that dji is going to start doing like direct sales of their enterprise products. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when we look at like Skydio um, with the X2, the way that companies are, <laughs> it's interesting. Cause even here in North Carolina, there's companies where you buy um, 
you you buy the drone and and literally there's no familiarization training there's no this this con this concept that the drones are so easy and i get it as as this industry progresses u.s programs in public safety they're not going to need like a thorough walkthrough of of each new platform because they will have experience but we have folks that just have never really operated a drone uh, and then it's just kind of lowest bid dropped at the door here you go activate it watch some of these videos yeah i mean I, there was a local sheriff sarah sheriff operation in north carolina here that they uh they went through three mavics before they finally started flying because they crashed the first one the second one uh sent a deputy to the hospital with a laceration and uh they finally figured it out on the third one it's crazy it's crazy and and the, the more specialized drones right are, are are coming again for the indoor for this i just i know i listened to to your podcast with miriam and and uh the type certification like how do we yeah. how do we show that these platforms are at least from the platforms platform side safe and and redundant but I don't think there's the cost associated with the type certification. And, and maybe after the FAA goes through something with, um, with the delivery companies, because if you look at the ones going through there now, right, they're mainly the delivery side. So there's like money, there's profit. These, these costs associated with certif- type certifying these aircraft are going to be made mm-hmm. in the commercial space. Um, Type you'd think type certifying a drone would be made should be simpler than an aircraft because how much larger these aircraft are. Um, but even in these tiny drones, you can pack a lot of little nuts and 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 screws and components. But if if there's a streamlined process potentially as as the FAA gets a handle on. You know, how do we type certified drones, especially with this, you know, U.S. made if, if, if there's a way if there's a way to to support American companies by mm-hmm. affording this type certification type of benefit, I, I think folks would would get on board. And I think users, I think there's a benefit to having type certified aircraft, because I think. There's, there should be more flexibility in regards to operations. Um, but with yeah, it'll extend capability. Abso- absolutely. But with that, with that being said, we look at um, we had Brian King and uh, Dean Atridge uh, on a on a podcast last month. We were talking about Evolved Dynamics, and they've got the uh, Mantis drone which they're producing, they're a UK company. And I asked, they've got an hour flight time. They've got, you know, thermal dual payload. But I asked him about, I'd asked Dean about type certification for their platform. And he, he was just like, no, you know, this, just the cost, the cost would drive the price Mm -hmm. of the product up. So, well, you know, it would be different if DJI, I'm going to pick on them because they're the yeah, let's do it. the largest in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, where has DJI been with informing pilots of 
things that needed to be repaired on their aircraft or known problems or known solutions or service bulletins or, you know, uh, they've really been very, very silent. Uh, and that's why I started looking into accidents after I had an issue with DJI. Um, and then just started looking at all the incidents that are out there. The, the, there's a Mavic pilots forum that daily their members are posting flyaways and crashes and incidents and everything else, but you just never hear about it. I mean, that, that to me, that's one of the benefits of a certified aircraft. My airplane right now is going through its annual and I have service bulletins, notices, their airworthiness directives, you know, the mechanic has to go through it top to bottom. Uh, and that's a level of safety that we just don't have with drones. And you think about, you mentioned all the small bits and the nuts and the bolts and stuff. Uh, you think about a, now a, a Boeing 737 Max is a lot bigger aircraft, but it's that integration today between the software and the hardware and how it all works. Um, they're, these drones are very complex. Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, and I, I, I spent time uh, working for a 145 repair station. Um, and I did, I did, I was a maintenance planner and uh, for the PC 12. Oh, wow. Um, as, as, yeah, as well as some other um, aircraft. And, and that's what, what I would do. Aircraft would come in and um, I do logbook research, go through, find the time you know, the time and life limited items that needed to be added on to the annual inspection, you know, like a 400 hour fuel nozzle flow check, things like that. Because with, with large aircraft, in addition to the annual items, right, you've got Mm -hmm. certain things that come up. So you want to knock all those out, um, when you can, uh, what I, what I saw recently though, because I've been looking at this, um, as, as I see and have seen exactly kind of what you're talking about is how these different incidents pop up. The maintenance side, one thing that that people have always pushed with drones is they're almost maintenance free. Oh, they're maintenance free. But that's not that's not the case. When it's maintenance free, it means like, oh, you're not gonna have to take it in for an annual. You're not gonna have to spend like thousands of dollars, but no, you still need to be maintaining. Mm-hmm. Um, on the aircraft and they're so easy to fly. People just pop the things on. They don't even know what to look for. Right. Right. It's not until it's not until you you've had the aircraft for a year and you've allowed all this wear and tear in certain areas um, or you were missed properly doing something. So what I what I did find just very recently with a, um, a customer that that had gotten a Matrice 200 was that DJI put out that maintenance manual mm-hmm. for the Matrice 200 series. And it, it was, it's intriguing. And then you look at the other platforms and you don't, and I'd have to go in and look for the M300. They may or may not have um, put out a maintenance manual for, it. I know for the M600, they did not for like the Phantoms and their consumer grade products. They've never put anything um, like that out. But when you look at the Phantom four, I mean, nothing on it moves except the, the gimbal and the motors, Mm -hmm. Uh, the Mavic, the Mavic platform, you know, you've got some movement in the, in the legs there, but for something like the M 600, the Matrice 200, these manuals, 
have to exist. Um, they need to exist, especially in the public safety space, because you don't um, just about any piece of equipment, right, that you're operating um, within a fire department or um, uh, public safety fire uh, police department. These things are being inspected at, at a minimum on an annual basis. To Yeah, well, we have a checklist we have to go through every apparatus, every piece on it every day. Absolutely. And, and for something like a, for, for something as, as, Oh, if you get a, a, you know, some of these more expensive drones, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a complex aircraft right there for you to not be inspecting that thing on an annual basis, monthly basis to ensure that the product performs the way that it's supposed to. Everybody just assumes when they, you know, press this button, that's going to happen. Why? Well, cause someone told me it would. I've never actually exercised that then that um, operation. So I would never, you know, people would never know what it's supposed to happen. Like, is it going to go to 200 feet when you hit return to home? Is it going to come straight home? Is it going to avoid obstacles? You know, what, what kinds of things could happen? Yeah. And what did the last guy set it to? What was the last guy set it to? Sometimes if you're using like a different phone, the worst thing ever. Okay. So, <laughs> all right, this will be fun. This will be fun. We can go back to when you asked me if I ever had, if we ever had a close call. Um, I'm, uh, early on, you know, I had, I, I, a lot of the people that I met and started working with became friends, um, became, mm -hmm. became close friends, people that I was helping and, and, and not necessarily charging. So, Go to this house. Uh, a friend had a had a job for a real estate listing, and he said, "Hey, you know, I've mostly all I've been doing is photos. I want to get into video. So, can you come out? I'm going to take photos, and then can you fly the drone and get video? And I'm going to watch you, mm -hmm. and, and you just do it, and I'll you know, and I'll pay you for the video part of it. I'm like, yeah, sure, you know." So we go out, he, he puts his phone in, he's got the drone set up. He takes all the pictures and it's like, oh yeah, I'm giving him some pointers here and there. And then he goes, all right, Hey, can you take the video? Oh yeah, sure. Take it from him. Check the battery. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I think I have just enough to get what I need. And, um, <laughs> which is like, which is like, there you go. There's one of the first right. uh, links in the chain, you know, <laughs> having just enough to get what you need. And this isn't like a situation to where it's like, you know, in, in time is of the essence. So uh, I said, okay, great. So I take it. I'm fine. I'm capturing the video. I'm talking to him. Now I'm in the backyard and there's trees, you know, there's list. This house is, you know, in North Carolina, it's on a golf course, kind of surrounded by trees in the backyard. So I'm just capturing real quick. Say, okay, well, I didn't take into account that his settings were different than mine. And I was relying heavily on the, I wasn't relying heavily on the aircraft. I, I, at this time with DJI drones, I, I had a, a lot of faith in the obstacle avoidance and detection uh -huh. mistake. Any, so anyone who's tuning in at this point, you're just getting into D, uh, drones and e, D, it doesn't matter what drone it is, unless it's Skydio. I have, I have good faith in Skydio. The platform, I, I'm not a huge, just the, the ability to do things, but obstacle awareness don't trust obstacle detection on your drones it, it it it's it's an electronic it's a camera it can fail there's reasons it might not work um so 
I'm thinking that the drone will go to 15% battery before it initiates any sort of, you know, return to home, because that's what my settings were for. And that's what I was used to. Well, his settings were return to home at 25%. Okay. <laughs> so here I am in the middle of, you know, my last, one of my, la- the last shot to capture the backyard. Beep, 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 beep. You know, aircraft's <laughs> going into return to home. It flew straight up because it was, it was just about 10 feet below the trees. It just flew straight up into the trees. And, oh, no. and, and it's, and I'm trying to recover it at this point. And it's like, this drone's flipping, flipping and all it just, it just hits the branches and flips and falls upside down. And I'm standing there like, uh, you know, I'm the expert. I'm the, he has me out here to show him, you know, and I'm the drone guy, like people, the people that I work with in their network, they're the drone guy or girl. Yeah. And then I'm you know, with through nine, 10 drones, we're the drone yeah. guy and girls guy. Right. So we're right. the people that the other drone. So when that happens, you're kind of going like, Oh man. Well, what it was is his return to home was set for 25%. So boom, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I'm good, good to go. His, the drone just flies up and, and I'm looking at it. Cause I go, why didn't the upward obstacle detection working? Well, there was no leaves on the tree. Right. So it's right. like small, thinner branches and that that little uh, you know, non uh, drawn a blank. It's like ultrasonic, right? Uh, obstacle detection. It just misses the branches, and and it just yeah. It was it was a that was a fun day. That was a fun day. Well, so back to a phantom. Um, I turned the phantom on in my driveway, and then I was going to fly it, and I thought, oh, you know what? This probably isn't the best place to take off for what I want to do. So I carried the Phantom up to the cul-de-sac, put it in the center of the cul-de-sac, big, you know, wide open space, took off. Um, and then somewhere along the way, I hit return to home and it actually returned to really tall tree because, because I had powered it on in the driveway. That was the recorded home point, <laughs> <laughs> not where I took off. Yeah. So learn that lesson. Thankfully, I have friends that have a a really big truck with a really big ladder on it. (laughs) And the the fire fire department came to rescue my drone out of the tree. Oh, goodness. uh, Now I'm just thinking back. I'm like, now people, we joke now, like, why is it nine, ten drones? Like, well, we've crashed about nine or ten drones. And and (laughs) and uh People love that. And I, and then I joke with, yeah, the name's going to have to be like 1920 drones uh, pretty, yeah. <laughs> pretty soon. But no, no, we've learned. It, there was a learning curve, right? As with everything. Um, gosh, there. Yeah. the Even um, even there's been incidents where, like I said, when 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 you're on the, um, you know, literally bleeding edge of, uh, mm-hmm. of the industry. Again, you're doing these operational things and especially in some demonstration, uh, purposes, you, you know, how on the commercial side, just, just getting an opportunity to kind of operate in a certain arena is huge because you can't test. Yeah. There's a lot of things you just can't test, um, in, in the confines of like your, where you have access to. And I'm I'm not saying go out into like the general public and we're testing things. I'm saying, 
like a bridge, like with NCDOT or being able right. to fly with like the New York fire department. These are opportunities you go out and then you safely demonstrate capabilities. So, you know, and especially with new drones coming to market and working with, with, uh, with one of these companies, you know, sometimes it just, it, again, take, it doesn't, people want things to always work the way they expect it. And then sometimes it doesn't, sometimes you're learning and it's awesome to even have an incident, but to be able to still take that drone, power it back up and like complete the mission. And, and, right. you know, so some of those, those incidents, which I'd say incidents, accidents, um, were actually opportunities to demonstrate like the, the quality of the product. Cause say if it was a DJI drone, that thing would fall and break into a bunch of pieces where some companies are actually starting to, to build like rugged drones, um, for, right. for certain things. So yeah, I was, oh man, there was the, the one time I, someone did that with their drone. They, they had the home point and, and they did it under trees. So their Mavic landed on top of some tree branches and yeah, we, we, the team had the great idea because again, it was a friend who does some drone stuff. Like, Hey, I got my drone stuck in the tree. You know, we should have said, we'll call the fire department. No, in, instead we were like, all right, <laughs> I think we could put a fishing pole on an inspire one and, and we can probably <laughs> knock it out of the tree with a fishing pole. And, um, again, it's, it's, it's the forces you know, when you put a fishing pole on a drone and you start pushing against something, you're, 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 <laughs> you're putting forces. And, and again, it wasn't supposed to have a lot of resistance. The fishing pole was supposed to just knock it right off of the tree branch, which it didn't do. Right. Right. Little, little tap, little tap, tap little, mm -hmm. you know, little happy Gilmore, little tap, tap it in. Um, but no, it, it didn't work out that way. What happened was you put, what we put, we, we ended up having a ton of force acting on the drone that the drone had never, ever experienced. And what happens is the motors just do their thing. And that drone just flipped itself. And yeah, it was, it was, it was not a good day for the inspire one. Um, and, uh, again, <laughs> learning, learning, always learning. Well, Paul, we've run long, uh, but I really want to recommend that people, Go to 910drones.com. Uh, you have such a beautiful website. You offer great training. And I wish, uh, I really wish that the requirement was there that people had to go through a practical exam with a great instructor when they first got their drones. And certainly that's one of the benefits of working with 910 drones is you're there to teach them these uh, really stupid lessons that we learned the hard way. But thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank, thank you so much, Stephen. I do think that eventually we will see some practical hands-on stuff. And I, and one thing I hope to do is help work with even like our local FBO here. You know, they're a small locally owned business and they're providing flight training already. So um, even if it's, you know, the future I think is for drone companies, you know, that do training to find a way to work with, you know, the longstanding aviation community um, to help, you know, put out that information, you know, that we've talked about during this session. So thanks a lot, Steve. It was, it was a great chat.